So the rumor is true. I am 32 years old today. 32. Never looked so good. Never looked so gray for 32. No, it's my 52nd birthday, which um, when I took, yeah, wow, wow. Thanks a lot. Tough crowd, tough room. Um, when I turned 52 years ago, I thought, you know, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to call it, I woke up and I was 50, but now I'm 52 and I haven't done a thing about it. Like just time flies by, does it not? The older you get, the faster time seems to, to go, to go by. Um, but I have a more important day coming up on October 26th, more important than my birthday, my spiritual birthday. October 26, 1992 is when I became a follower of Christ. It's when he opened my heart. He opened my eyes to my need of him and his love. And I remember that day like it was yesterday. And I know most of you who, who are raised in church and maybe you don't have that moment in time that you can look back and say, on this day, you know, I became a Christian or on this day. But for, for you in your life, you kind of, it was a process, and that's the way most people end up following Jesus. But for me, I have a specific day. And I remember it was a Sunday morning. And I, was, uh, I wasn't feeling good from the night before, if you know what I'm saying. And I was driving over to do what I did every Sunday in the fall and spend time with my dad and watch the Bronco game. And I remember I was driving over to his house. And all of a sudden, I thought about this young man who had been killed in a car wreck. Um, a few years before, and my mind went to, well, I wonder what happened to him when he died. And, and I hadn't thought about eternity, God, or anything for years. I was running from God, closing my ears to God. And all of a sudden, the internal conversation that I was having went to, well, what would happen to you if you died? Where would you go? And I remember this feeling come over me of kind of like dread. I wouldn't go be with God. And uh, all of a sudden, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, it's time to come home. Stop running from Jesus. And so that, that day, I went through the game, and, and, but I was thinking about God. And the next day, I went to work. I was selling insurance with my dad. And uh, we had an office in Lakewood. And I went into this, this room, and I couldn't shake this drawing of God to, to surrender to him. And I remember praying, just giving my life to Jesus. I said, whatever you want to do with my life, take it. And I surrender. And I was changed. And it was amazing because <clears throat> my family had been praying for me. My parents didn't become Christians until they were like 50 years old. And they used to pray for their, their prodigal son all the time <laughs> to come home. And my dad had, had been praying for me, and I told him, we went to lunch that day, and I, as we were driving, I said, Dad, I, I gave my life to Christ today, and he'd been praying vigorously for me, and he must not have been paying a whole lot of attention, because he goes, that's good, and just, he was driving, and uh, all of a sudden, he realized what he had just heard, and my dad being the guy that he is, he pulled over, and uh, we had a good cry together. He's, he was crying, he, praying, and thanking God for what had happened, and uh, sorry, but what I wanted, I, the reason I tell you that is that day I found real hope. I had chased a lot of false hopes. 
I had chased a lot of th- dreams that I thought were going to give me hope, give me purpose, give me peace, only to be disappointed and, and dissatisfied. And that day I found a real hope. I found a living hope that Peter talks about in First uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Peter says, this in, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope, a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that could never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. A living hope, guys. Today we're concluding this series, All Things New, where we've been looking at Jesus' statement in Revelation 21 where he says, Behold, I'm making all things new. So we've looked at it in the sense, the tense of past tense, that if any man or woman be in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away. All things have been made new. And yet I know I became a new creation October 26, 1992, but I haven't always lived like a new creation. You know what I'm talking about? I don't, that's a process that when we become a disciple of Jesus, it's daily learning how to take off the old and put on the new. And so practically in, in the present tense, we are, we are becoming who God already says we are in Christ. So we talked about renewing our mind, renewing our relationships, renewing our hearts and our passion. And that has to happen on a daily basis. Today, We're going to conclude with renewing our hope, and that's the future tense of the gospel. It's the future tense of what God has for us in the future. Why do we need to renew our hope? Well, that's kind of a no-brainer, right? Daily, life hits us in the face. Daily, we're hit with difficulties, trials, struggles, and we need to have our hope protected Last week when Pastor George was here and he, he preached on renewing your strength by waiting on the Lord, God was obviously working in a lot of people's lives. And there's a lot of pain. And there's a lot of people waiting on a breakthrough, waiting for God to, to show himself strong. Some of you are very weary. You need what we're talking about today. You needed this series as well. So I'm going to give you two things that each one of us need to know in order to continually renew and strengthen our hope. The first thing I want you to write down is, I need to know who and what my hope is built on. That's the first thing. I need to know who and what my hope is built on. I've been doing pastoral ministry for 23 years now, coming on 23, 24 years And in my time of doing pastoral ministry, um, I've walked with people through a lot of difficulties. Um, That's the hard part of being a pastor is you know people's pain that other people don't know and struggles. And in walking with people's pains, I've seen people get their hope, and I put hope in quotes right now, demolished by life. Um, I've seen breakups, you know, an, uh, an engagement caused somebody to lose their hope in Jesus. I've seen um, people that were in ministry get hurt by church 
How many know church is a messy thing to start with? We're going to hurt each other. That's because we're, we're sinners saved by grace. But I've seen people in ministry get hurt by church, leave the ministry, and quit following Jesus altogether. I've seen people when they lose a loved one suddenly to have their hope just demolished. And we need a hope that can't be taken away. We need to know that our hope is in something that can't be taken away. Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 24 through 27, he told a little parable, a little story at the end of the Sermon on the Mount where he said, he said there were two guys. They each built a house. One of them built his house on the rock and another built his house on sand. And he said that the storms came and the winds blew and and beat against those houses. And the one that was built on sand crumpled and just got demolished. And he said the the one who built his house on the rock stood the test of that weather, stood stood the test of that storm that came. And I think it's unique that the storm came for both. Because Jesus doesn't say if you follow him, life is going to be easy and perfect. He actually said in this life... You're going to have trials and sorrows of many kind, but take courage. I've overcome. That's building our house on the rock. And so when you build your house on sand, you're building your house, your your life, your hope, your future on something that can be taken away. Money can be taken away. Your health can be taken away. A spouse can be taken away. But Jesus can't be taken away. Um, Last month... Uh, was back to school month and many of you and many others were putting on social media pictures of your kids first day of school you know holding a little sign that says first day of second grade blah 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 right and then I was thinking about the moms that had to send their kids to, to kindergarten for the first time and and how you how you probably cried a little bit I, I guess it depends on the kid you might have been happy that you were dropping them off at school but with you drop off at kindergarten and, and there's, there's this ache though, let's be honest, that goes, whoa, this season of my child's childhood is now over. And then it's, you move from, uh, you move from bye-bye kindergarten and on, right? John Eldridge, he said that life is a series of goodbyes, a long series of goodbyes. That's so true. That, that rang resonated in me when I read that because you say bye to kindergarten and then bye to elementary school, bye to middle school, bye to high school, bye college, you get married, blah, blah, blah. You wake up and you're 52, right? Some of you are older, but you woke up and you were whatever age you are. And the older we are, the, the more we realize we're saying bye to a different season, a different situation. In 2018, 2018 was a series of goodbyes for our family, like I've never experienced in one 365-day period. We moved at the beginning of 2018 from a house that we had lived in as a family for 10 years. And um, as excited I was for our new place, I'm a sentimental person, and I cry really easy, and I'm very sentimental. And we went over to, I I did the last little run to make sure the house was all cleaned out, and... uh, I just stood at the house. I started bawling. I was crying, like all these memories of the kids and, and us together, and I, I cried hard. And then I was happy once we were in our new house, though. Then it, that, I got over it pretty quick. But 
in, in March of 2018, we had to say goodbye to my mom. She passed away and went on to be with Jesus. And that same month, our oldest Chase, she joined the Navy. And so she's been off and we'd say goodbye to her. And then our youngest Damien, he, uh, he graduated high school. So you say goodbye to those years, right? No more going to baseball games and all the things that come with that. And then he joined the Coast Guard. He now lives in, in Tampa. So it's just a goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. And we have to accept this part of life that, that is a series of goodbyes and that we're truly longing for home. I love Rich Mullins. He has a line in one of his songs. He said, if I weep, let it be as a man who is longing for his home. And when life brings us things that make us weep, let's remember that all of these, this ache that's in us is a longing for eternity. It's a longing for Jesus. It's a longing to be in our home with him. So when we accept that, then we realize what our lives are, are built upon. So there's three things I want you to write down. Three things that, that of, of the who and what we've built our life upon. And, and the first one is this, that my, my life is built on a person. Your, your hope in, in life is built on the person of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him today, man, I want to tell you a little bit about him. And I'm just going to let the Apostle Paul do the speaking. Here's who your hope is built on if your trust is in Jesus. The Son Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I mean, no, that's someone you can put your hope in. You have built your hope, not on your checkbook, not on your spouse, not on your kids, not any other person, but the person of Jesus who spoke the universe into being, who sustains it by his mighty hand. I mean, think about how big the universe is. Galaxies upon galaxies, planets, stars, they're still discovering. He just went, boom, let it be. And it was there. That's who your hope is in. Don't let the devil or stupid little petty things rob you of the hope that you really have. And the reason that we, we lose focus of our hope is because we built our hope on sand. We really think our money is going to, to, to last or people or whatever. We have to shift off of that and remember we're building our house on the rock, the rock of Jesus. The second thing that your hope is built on is my hope's built on a promise. Hope's built on a promise. Jesus said at the, at the death of Lazarus, before he raised him from the dead, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He's taken away our fear of death. 
yeah, I mean, it's like Woody Allen said. He said, I don't fear death. I just don't want to be there when it happens, right? But that, that's a lot of us have this. We know that to live is Christ and to die is gain, and yet we fear this thing called death because we've never gone through that doorway. I think sometimes we might fear how we're going to die more than if we're going to die. But the fact is, all of us are going to go through that doorway. But our hope is built on a promise. Though we die, we live because of his resurrection is a promise of your resurrection if you'll put your faith, hope, and trust in him. And then the third, third thing that our hope's built on is my hope's built on an actual historical event. This is important. I emphasize this a lot, but I, I think it's important to continue to reemphasize. If, if somebody comes and tells you that Christianity or Jesus Christ is a fairy tale, will you send them to me? I, I'd love to talk to somebody. I know that sounds arrogant, but how about this? Send them to the facts. There are facts around the person of Jesus Christ that his life was real his death was real, and his resurrection was real. There's evidence that is mind-boggling. Don't ever let yourself think that you're believing some sort of thing that doesn't have concrete evidence and fa- facts behind it. That's so important. Um, have I told you we went to Israel? Go to Israel. It's so important, man. When you go to Israel and you're, you're standing in the places of the Bible, we stood in a synagogue that was just un, found about 10 years ago in, in Magdala where Mary Magdalene was from. And there's no doubt Jesus was in that synagogue. And when you tie all that together and you connect the dots, you realize that my faith is in an actual historical event of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Within 20 years of his resurrection, um, Paul, the apostle, writes to the Corinthian church. And so within 20 years, he tells them about the gospel and what had happened in, in Jesus. Now, we have those records of what he wrote preserved for us today in our New Testament. So within 20 years, now somebody says, oh, the resurrection is just a legend. It's just something that picked up speed after, you know, Jesus really died or whatever. That's hogwash. Um, My daughter is 20 years old. I remember the day of her birth like it was yesterday. I can describe to you that she was born at 11 o'clock in the morning. And the first person I called was Chris Ingalls. And she was born at Swedish Hospital. That's not a legend, is it? Chandler, is that a legend? Are you really here? Okay, she's here, right? It's important for us to, to, to remember that's what we're, we're reading when we read Scripture within 20 years. Here's what Paul says. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the 12. And after that, he he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me. Your faith is in a concrete, actual event that happened. And so when life hurts, when life, the, the storms of life come, man, let Jesus have the last word. Let Jesus have the last word on the trial you're in the middle of right now. 
Let Jesus hold you. Let Jesus, his words that he has overcome death and sin for us, penetrate your heart. When I was in high school, um, to my shame, I would never read a book. And I would uh, skim through it, and then I'd go to the last chapter, and then I'd try to write my uh, book report based upon that, right? Anybody else do that? Come on. Come on, Brian. Um, here's the deal. I don't recommend that ever, but, but you can do this in the Bible. I've read the Bible cover to cover. Many of you have too. That when you go to the last two chapters of the book, we know how it ends. Jesus is going to get the last word. He is going to make all things straight. He's going to set it all straight. So you can go to the back of the book and realize what he's done. Now, that's the second, leads me right to the second thing that you can do to, you need to know to renew your hope is this. I need to know what the future holds. And by that, I do not mean your life in this world as it is. I don't know who you're going to marry. I don't know what job you're going to do. I don't know when you're going to die. I don't know when I'm going to die. I can't tell you anything about what your future holds. But I can tell you with certainty what your eternal, ultimate uh, future is when you're in Christ. Jesus, he's coming again, all right? As sure as he came the first time, he's coming again. It was predicted in the scriptures that he would come the first time and do the work that he did. It's also predicted in the same scriptures that he's going to come again. And the world as we know it is going to be changed and renewed and so his second coming, Jesus called it the renewal of all things. He talked about his second coming as the renewal of all things and the restoration of all things is also called in, in the book of Acts. And so there's one Greek word that, that means renewal or restoration, and it's the Greek word genesia. all right? I'm not a Greek scholar. I just looked it up. genesia is that two Greek words together that mean again, Paling meaning again, and Genesea meaning beginning. Literally, in the, be- the beginning again. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, right? This word, the renewal, restoration, Paling Genesea, is in the beginning again. So when he comes again, boom, starting over with perfection, with no sin and sorrow, no death. The, the apostle John went to the island of Patmos, and Jesus gave him the book of Revelation, the revelation of what was going to happen both in the near future for the early church and then what was ultimately going to happen for, for all believers. And it says this. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Let this comfort you this morning. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. 
He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. It's Jesus, what we've been studying. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it's done. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. It's important that we remember who the original readers of that, the audience that would have read that first. The early church was being persecuted by Rome. Christians were used as torches to light the streets of the Roman Empire. Christians were thrown to the lions for sport to watch them get mauled by lions. And they were persecuted. We, we don't get that. We, w- when they read that, they said, okay, we, we have hope. Okay, we can get through this. I'm with Jesus. And in this life, no matter what happens, I'm going to have hope because that is my future. That is my ultimate hope. When we read this, especially churches in the West, we don't understand persecution. We don't understand the difficulty of what other believers have gone through over the years. So it, it, it exposes to us what our hope is really in. When the difficulties of life come, it's ex- exposing is my, what is my hope truly in? Who is my hope truly in? It takes away, though, when you read that to me, that takes away the fear of death. It takes away, that actually makes me excited for what's to come. And it should for you as well. Let me just unpack this just for a second. A couple of these new things that we read in that passage. There's going to be a new heaven. And when the Bible talks about heaven... It does mean like the heavens, the, the, the stars, the galaxies as well, but it also means the place where God is, where, where, where the glory of God is, where Jesus is right now, where he ascended to heaven, where my mom went last March. Where, where is this place? I don't know, but I know it's perfect. I know the glory of God is there and all of, of Christ's followers are there with him right now experiencing bliss. But the interesting part about heaven is heaven, heaven as we know it is temporary. Okay, you got to get this from this text. It's temporary. The current heaven, it, it, it's temporary. It's going to be made new. And when, uh, when you talk about heaven, it's a little difficult sometimes to comprehend. Anybody agree with that? It is. I heard a guy say one time, he said, explaining heaven to us is kind of like trying to tell your five-year-old what their honeymoon night's going to be like. They don't get it, right? I remember explaining the birds and the bees to my kids. And uh, after I got through in every detail, because they were old enough at that point, my daughter Chandler goes, I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. I was like, well, that's a good answer right now for sure. <laughs> Love that answer. <laughs> we just don't get it. The second thing that's new is going to be the new earth. The new earth. Romans chapter 8 says that the earth is groaning with, with birth pangs for its redemption and ultimate renewal. When sin came into the world, it wrecked everything, not just people. It wrecked everything. Creation is groaning for its ultimate redemption as well. But I think it's important that we see from this that we often talk about, will we go up to heaven? I'm going up to heaven. Well, when we read this, 
we realize that when you die and you go to be with Jesus, you bought a round trip ticket because you're going to go to heaven. But when he comes back again, he's bringing all the believers in heaven with him. And there's going to be the resurrection of the dead. And we're going to, he's going to dwell with his people on earth, the new earth. We get this idea that heaven is where we float around with harps and this kind of stuff. That's not what the eternity holds for us. It's we're going to have jobs. We're going to live in community together in perfect bliss with no sorrow, no tears, any no shame. And what we do in this life with the things that God has given us, he has promised to reward us in the life to come. That keeps me wanting to be faithful. If God offers a reward, it's noble. It's good. And we need to live our lives in such a way that we, we live for that word, well done, well done. And then there's the new us, right? The new us. We're going to be spiritually and morally new. In heaven, there won't be, in the, in the future, there won't be any more of that tug of war of sin that's inside of you. I can't wait to not be able to sin anymore. <laughs> that's going to be a good day because there's no sin in heaven. We won't be able to that tug of war that's there. We're going to be physically and bodily new as well. We're going to have resurrection bodies like Jesus. How many are thinking, yes, I can't wait to get my new body. This one's getting droopy. (laughs) 52, baby. Um, Janelle still loves me though. Um, Jesus, when he was resurrected, he ate and drank with his disciples but he could also walk through walls. That's going to be kind of cool. I, I don't know what that's all like, but I know that in the resurrection, we get perfect bodies that won't break down. And then he said the new Jerusalem. I think that's important. What does that mean, the new Jerusalem? Well, Jerusalem, this physical city of Jerusalem in Israel has always been the city of God. It's always been a type and shadow as well, the presence of God and the people of God. And so the new Jerusalem is a, a look into God's ultimate community of his family together, living together on the new earth. We're going to go into communion. And as we go into communion, I want to I want to encourage you this morning, if you've never placed your life in Jesus' hands, if you've never said, I want to be his disciple, I want to trust him as Lord and Savior, if you've never really believed in your, in your heart and in your mind that Jesus was real and that he really died for you, he's here today with arms wide open for everybody to say yes to. He said that he is the exclusive Savior, that there's no way to the Father but other than through him. I didn't make that up. Christianity didn't make that up. He said it himself. And if a guy can predict his death and say in three days I'm going to rise from the grave and he did it, I'm going to go with whatever he says. When the Bible's confusing, I'm going to go with what he says. When life is confusing, I'm going to go with what he said. Because he did it. He rose from the dead. He said he was going to die for our sins and rise on the third day. And he did it. Man, we have so much to celebrate. So much to put our hope in. Let that be the rock that you build your life on. Let's don't build our life on sand. 
as great as relationships are and, 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 and things in this life can be, they are sand because they will be ultimately taken from you at some point in time. But the truth of Jesus can't be taken away from you. Your hope cannot be taken from you. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 11, talking about the Lord's Supper. Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul goes on, he says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. By eating the bread and drinking the cup, we're saying, Jesus, you're coming again. Renew my hope. Renew my hope. So what we're going to do is we're going to take this communion as a family today. I want you to, you can move towards the tables, grab some bread and grab a juice, make your way back to your seat, and then we'll take it together. Lord, thank you for your body that was broken for us and your blood shed to give us forgiveness to free us from sin and death and Lord you did it all you paid it all we cannot repay you Lord you paid it all and we can just say thank you today again on the night he was betrayed Jesus broke bread with his disciples and he said this is my body which is broken for you eat in remembrance of me let's take the bread same way after supper Jesus lifted a cup of wine to heaven and he blessed it he said this is the blood of the new covenant he was going to be the sacrifice of all sacrifices nothing else needed to be done and that we can freely and boldly have confidence before our heavenly father because of Jesus let's take the cup Lord, renew our hope daily. Lord, we remind ourselves of that our hope is in you and what you did for us. And our hope is in our ultimate future with you. No matter what happens in this life, we have eternal hope because of you. In Jesus' name, amen.